0: And and here's where it comes down to is Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. It says this, the secret things belong to the Lord. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of his law. So the secret things, the future, which we cannot see, who does that belong to? God. God. What belongs to us, and what are we called to do right now, is to obey His written Word. And God has things in His Word that says, this is my will for you. We aren't told to discover His hidden will, but we're called to do what He has revealed in His Word. Some of us are so concerned about the hidden will of God that we never seek the known will of God. Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. Tonight, we're going to be continuing our study through the book of Proverbs. And uh, we're going to be answering the age-old question of what is God's will for my life? Um, I know many have tried, but tonight, we're going to answer that question. Um, I'm just that wise, but um, no, we're going to be looking at looking at the will of God and also how to make wise choices, and so um, we're going to actually start in chapter 16, and we're going to kind of be all over the book because it's pretty scattered in the way that um, Solomon talks about these things, but um, yeah, Proverbs 21, 16, 21, and other places. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you, God, that we can um, come together. Lord, we thank you that you're with us. Um, No matter what's going on in the world, uh, we thank you, Lord, that you are good and that you are on the throne. And, um, Lord, you have a plan. Lord, you're in control of all things. And so, Lord, we just want to sit at your feet tonight to hear from you. Lord, we pray that you would teach us in the power of the Holy Spirit as you have been so faithful to do through your word. And so, um, Lord, we're so thankful that you care about every single person in this room, that you love them, that you're for them, that you're not against them, Lord. And so uh, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to each heart uh, as you would see fit. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, we're going to read in verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 16, it says, The preparation of the heart belongs to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. Um, And the Lord has made all for himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. Verse chapter 21 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. Every Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. A haughty look and proud heart and the plowing of, a wick, of the wicked are sin. Uh, there's some, anyway, moving on. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. And look at the last one we want to read is verse 31 of chapter 21. It says, The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. Now, I think all of us have prayed the prayer and asked the question, God, what is Your will for my life? I just want to do Your will. I just want to know Your will for my life. We desire Your perfect will. How many of you have ever use that sentence? I want Your perfect will for my life, right? I want to be perfect. Any perfectionists in the room? Can I get an amen? Uh, or is it amen? You perfectionists. I don't know. Uh, amen. Amen. Okay. The reason we begin at this point tonight is because the desire is often what affects our decision-making process. If we desire to have God's will in our life, then that affects the way that we make decisions. And that affects the way that we are able to make decisions. And it also, in the way that you view the will of God, is really important. Because, I don't know about you, but if you've ever come to a major decision of your life, and you're freaking out. Anyone? If you're not, yeah, okay, there are two hands. All right, so, okay, good. You're on the same page. There are big decisions, especially at this point in your life. Marriage is a big one. Um, babies, uh, career choice. If you're like, I'm going to be a fireman, and then you realize, like, I don't like fire. and You're like making a career change. You're like, no, I don't like to get burned, or, or, or whatever. You're on this path, and suddenly you come to this point where you're like, I don't think I want to do that anymore. But what if I stop, and all these what-if questions that then proceed and it's hard to make decisions. We freeze up in fear making and because making a bad decision could possibly ruin our lives and put us outside of God's perfect will. Anyone ever thought that? Like, what if I make a bad decision and then I'm not walking God's will and then God has forsaken me and all is over? You're, you have that like doomsday mentality. On a daily basis, we are met with so many decisions. Just walking down an aisle at a grocery store can be overwhelming. You notice how many different kinds of toilet paper there are. And you're like, which one do I, would, would supply my needs? Is it the double roll? Is it the, what package? There's so many different kinds. And you're like, why is there so many different kinds? Why, anyway. The milk aisle is ridiculous. The list of milks that you could enjoy this evening of whole, almond, oat, coconut, coconut <laughs> hemp. It's made from ropes. Like, where do we, where do we draw the line at these kinds of Hemp milk? No? Okay. There's all these different kinds of things. In fact, our society is dealing with something nowadays called choice anxiety. If you don't believe me, there's a place called 31 Flavors. That's just too many flavors. There's too many choices. If you're ever if you've ever been to a cheesecake factory and they've handed you the the encyclopedia of the menu, and you're like, holy smokes! The whole world cuisine is represented in this place. How am I supposed to make a decision? It's not because there's a lack of choices, but because there are too many choices. And we have something nowadays, it's it's called choice anxiety, like I said, and the interesting thing that it, it doesn't lead us to more freedom. It actually leads us to more bondage. It actually leads to more fear more anxiety because we're so overwhelmed with the toothpaste aisle to choose which one would... <laughs> anyway, we become paralyzed by all these things. There's just too much. And so people are shaking in fear. What if I make a bad decision? What if I make the wrong choice? We can be paralyzed by fear, and it is a fear that comes often from our view of God's will. Now, there is a conventional view of God's will. You don't have to raise your hand, but maybe this is your thought. When it comes to God's will and God's perfect plan, that God has a detailed plan for your life, right? God has a detailed, and some of you are detailed people, so you're like, just how detailed are we talking about? How detailed is this detailed perfect plan that God has? God has a detailed plan for your life, which he hides from your life. And your job is to find out what that is. And now every decision becomes like an archer pulling back the bow to shoot at the bullseye. And this is the perfect will of God at the center. And you're trying to hit that mark on everything. And you realize, if I'm off, if I miss, then I'm outside of God's will. I'm in plan B, not God's perfect will. God has forsaken me. I'm walking outside of God's will. If we miss that bullseye, we're now in the area of plan B, not the perfect will of God. And it creates fear and anxiety that I'm going to miss out. Anyone ever thought that? If I make the wrong choice here, what if I miss out? What if I was supposed to take that freeway? and, And then, you know, or what if I, you know, there's all these scenarios. Like what if I didn't meet that and I missed this road and I missed that stoplight? What if I had gotten there earlier? I would have met the one. Like, right, that's when we would have met. They were passing out of the store as I was going in, and I missed it, I blew it, I, I'm going to be alone forever, and, and all of these, you know, things that create a lot of anxiety. Listen, the idea of the one itself is a horrible idea, that somewhere on this planet of nine billion people, there is a, <laughs> there is the one that is for you, and if you don't find that one, I mean, what if you married the someone who's not the one? You've known couples that have gotten married, they're like, this is not the one. And this is my out. This is not the one. Which means that someone else, if you think about it for a minute, if you marry someone else's one, then they marry someone else's one who then in turn marries someone else's one and you just screwed up the entire universe. Like, do we, is this like the Truman Show where we're that self-absorbed where we're like, it's all about me. Listen, I met my wife when I was 15 years old. We met in high school and we started dating, okay? When we got, this is the exception, this is not the rule, okay? We are the exception. This is not how everything works, where you're like, we met when we 15 and that's it. And that's just it. I tried to explain this to my nephew, like, this is not how real life always goes. And then his girlfriend broke out with him and he was like, you're right. Um, sorry, Ethan. Um, <laughs> but... Anyway, we met when we were 15, and, like, we got married. It wasn't that she was the one that I was like, this is it. I, I, I knew it. Like, God brought her to me. Like, I was Adam, and, and I woke up from a nap, and here she came. And it was like God's, a voice came from heaven and said, this is the one, idiot. Don't miss it. That's not what happened. When you get married, you have made the choice that you are the one, and I then choose you every day from this point. So, the idea of the one, everyone just calm down. It's going to be okay. If you're dating someone and you think this is the one, and the other person's like, this is not the one, guess what? It's okay. It's okay. God will lead you, God will guide you. But this is just one, again, one facet of it. But the problem with this view is this number one, if this is your view of God's will, number one, it's not in the Bible. It is not in the Bible. Yes, God has a perfect will and a permissive will. But listen, the idea that God is hiding this from you and we the job of the Christian is to find it out, this is not in the Bible. We are not to be preoccupied with the future details of tomorrow. Yes, there are times when God reveals the future details of tomorrow, but that is called a miracle, not a Wednesday. Okay? That is a miraculous thing that happens. God will choose to bring a prophetic word. And if you missed the whole Baptism of the Holy Spirit series that Pastor John did, listen to it again, and he'll talk about that miracle that takes place. But look, look at the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus said in in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 6, because I didn't write it in my notes, so let's just read it from the Bible, because That is helping me not to misquote it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. This is Jesus' words concerning the future, okay? Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put in or put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, and neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not as arrayed as one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for the heavenly Father, your heavenly Father, knows that you need all these things. This is right here. If you have a highlighter, if you have a pen, these two verses. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What is Jesus saying? His will for you today is this. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. To partner with him in the mission and the call that God has upon our life to be the hands and feet in Jesus where we are today. That is God's will for our life. We are not to be preoccupied with the future details of tomorrow. And these are the words of Jesus, God himself in flesh, telling us, don't worry about tomorrow do not be preoccupied with the future details of tomorrow the second problem with this view is that it implies a cruel god it implies that god is just mean and messed up that he knows his perfect will for your life and he won't show you or tell you it's like a really jacked up game of hot and cold we we're like getting close and god's like colder Warmer. This is a messed up game. God's not that way. It implies that God knows something but yet won't reveal himself to you. And so we struggle. And while we struggle, it's as as if God just sits there and laughs. Have you ever felt that way? You're like, I am struggling. And I feel like you're just laughing at me. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever watched someone on a camera and they're lost and you're just laughing because you're like, what an idiot. (laughs) It's that way. And a lot of people have that view of God. God's will is that way, where he knows it, but he won't tell you, and he sits back and laughs. God is not cruel like that. Number three is that it undermines personal responsibility. It overlooks the massive amounts of Scripture that tell us that we are responsible for our decisions. Right? Do you know that the word of God tells you that you are responsible for making decisions? And so if God is a good God who loves us and he says, you're going to be held accountable for the decisions that you make. And he says, and if you make a wrong one, then you're going to get crushed and you're going to be held responsible for it. But I won't tell you what to do. That's a cruel, messed up God. He doesn't do that. And it undermines the fact that we are called by God and given freedom by God to make decisions. To make decisions. And the fact that God has given us his word as a guide and has given us tools to make wise decisions. This is why he's given us his word. This is the known written will of God. If you want to know, what God, what am I supposed to do? He has written it down. There are rules, there are things, there are are. are ways of life and the way of wisdom in his word written down so that we can know God this is how we are to obey you this is how we're to live in this world that's how we're to be light in darkness it's God's word we've been given the responsibility to make decisions and we use spiritual language I don't know about you I'm just going to speak for myself we use spiritual language to avoid taking responsibility for our actions so you're smiling I don't know if it's because I'm just looking weird right now, but it's, maybe it's because you know exactly what I'm talking about. You use language like this, I'm just waiting on the Lord. And until I hear a voice from heaven, I'm not going to get a job. <laughs> Let me just tell you what God's word says. First Thessalonians says, get a job. <laughs> just very, you know, easy. Um, no, Paul says if you do not work, you do not eat. Like, that's it. Get a job. Like that. If you're like, I'm just waiting for God to open up the heavens and to tell me where to go. You see help wanted signs everywhere. And you're like, no, that's not. I'm waiting for the voice. This is the voice. Jobs. You should get one. Or you use something like this. I feel like the Lord is just saying no right now. He's saying no. And I just need to stop showing up early to help set up. I feel like the Lord's told me that. And the whole while everyone's going, how about you just, I know you just don't want to. Like, how about you just say that and be honest? Like, just be honest. Like we punt on that responsibility and just throw it on God. Of like, I really don't want to, but I don't want to say that because no one really says the real thing and why. So I'm just going to make something up and throw it on God. God has told me, no, don't serve him. Oh, where, where, where does it, where where is that? Is it Jeremiah? or I don't read those ones, but which one? You know, which one is it? How about you just say, like, I'm super tired from work and I need to rest. And everyone at church says, okay. That's okay. But yet we try and use the spiritual language to cover up our own responsibility that God has given us just to be a kind and real person. This is the one I love and this is the one I've been on a receiving end of. Or you date someone that you're not really into. Okay? You go on a date and you're like, mm, I'm just not really that attracted to this person. Um, they're not not real things, it's not going well. And you use this line. I feel like God is just calling me to a single uh, like a season of singleness. Instead of just saying, like, I don't find you attractive, right? It's it's okay. We hide behind spirituality instead of doing the adult responsible thing that says, hey. I'm not attracted to you, but someone probably will be. Because there's someone out there for everyone, right? There is. There is someone out there. My wife, for some reason, found me attractive. And if I showed you a picture of myself a few years ago, my hair, it was, this is a good thing. This is a good transition here that you're looking at. There's someone out there for everyone. And someone said, preach. Um, but we hide behind these spirituality. Like, listen, it's okay. We can't hide behind, like, the responsibility of making choices that God has given to us, of just being a kind and adult person. These are responsibilities that we've been given. And the fourth problem with this, in this view of God's will, is this. It leads to an obsession about the future. An obsession about the future. What's the next thing? What is the next thing? And why is that? Why are we obsessed with the next thing? Maybe you're timid like me. I don't know. Maybe you're like me. And so you want someone else to write it all out so I can just follow it. Like, God, give me the PDF of my life and I'll just follow that. And God says, that's not how this works. You get to make choices. You get to make choices. Maybe you fear risk. So we operate sometimes like we need to predict the future in order to make good decisions. And again, we go back to what Jesus said in Matthew's gospel. Take comfort in the words of Jesus tonight. Seek first the kingdom of God today. Today. We're called to seek his kingdom today, not the detailed plan for next year. And, and here's where it comes down to is Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. It says this, the secret things belong to the Lord. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of his law. So the secret things, the future, which we cannot see, who does that belong to? God. What belongs to us, and what are we called to do right now, is to obey his written word. And God has things in his word that says, This is my will for you, that you would be thankful. And you're like, Oh, come on. Thanksgiving? There's got to be something else. Just being, anyway, there's uh, uh, sexual purity. Like, God's really big on that one. Uh, He's really. Big on, on you finding his will for your life written down in his word. But you're like, God, I don't, I don't really care about today. I want to know what's next. Just tell me what's next, what's coming. And honestly, it's because we do not trust our God like we should. Like I should. I'm going to speak for myself. Like I should. My wife today, I, I told her what I was teaching on, and she laughed in my face. I was like, I'm teaching on making decisions. And she's like, really? And it's because I am, this is, this is to me, I am so timid and so afraid of making a mistake that I, I freeze up and can't make a decision. And I don't know what to do. And it feels like heaven goes silent and everything turns into white noise. Anyone else? You guys are looking at me weird. Anyone else? You're like, I just don't know what to do. And everything goes blank. And you're like, help. Help me. Say something. This deals with the fact that there is is God's hidden will and his revealed will. We aren't told to discover his hidden will, but we're called to do what he has revealed in his word. Some of us are so concerned about the hidden will of God that we never seek the known will of God. We just skip that part. And we, we move on to what we think might be best. It reminds you of what God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And this is the Lord speaking to a guy who was an idolater. He lived in a foreign country. And God appears to him and says, get out of your country. From your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Are there any details in there? He does not tell him where he's going. He doesn't tell him how long it'll take to get there. He tells him, here's what I'm going to do with your life. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing. I'm going I'm to multiply your family. You're going to be a great man in the world if you will what? trust me and follow me. If you'll trust the fact that I'm calling you, what did he tell him to do? Leave your country. Now, that's all he said. Be obedient to the known will of God. And then he says, here's what I'm going to do. But you don't have a timeline. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know where you're going. And God says, trust me, I do. And I will do everything that I've told you I will do. And we can look back on that prophecy and that word from the Lord. And he did it. Now, the comforting thing about the life of Abraham is that guy made some horrible decisions. The horrible decision was named Hagar, right? You remember that lady? Hello. Kind of took God's promise and was like, I got this. And had a relationship with Hagar. And, Hagar? Hagar. Hagar. I'm going with Hagar. She sounded haggard. Um, so, so. He has this relationship, and he has Ishmael, and he's like, see, we did it, God. And God's like, no, you made a mistake. This is a bad decision. But do you see Abraham wiped off the face of the earth? Is that the end of his story? Is that the book closing? No, that's just a mark on his life. God, in his grace, in his mercy, loves you enough to let you make bad decisions. And you know it's true as you look at your family photos and you look back on albums and you're looking at bad fashion decisions that you have made and you're like, this is embarrassing, this is awful. And you're looking at those going, dad, why did you let me? Or mom, why did you let me? And they say, hey, that's what you wanted. I let you make a decision. Wasn't a good one, wasn't an informed one. But it was made. God in his grace allows us to make decisions. And guess what? You're going to make bad ones. We're all going to make bad decisions. But we need to be occupied with today, not obsessed with the future. God wants us to trust him and to be wise. So we're going to look at six steps to making wise decisions. Um, I just learned these today. So I'm really excited about putting these into practice. The first one is this. Listen to God's word. Number one, listen to God's word. The word of God is written and is his known will, and so listening to it rightly understood is the first step to wisdom. When we started this series, we started with that verse, Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the way that is cultivated is by hearing from God's word. So we look to his word first, and we need to ask ourselves two questions. When you come to a decision... Is what I'm considering going with or against what God has said? Okay? Very simple. You come to a decision and you're thinking, what should I do? Well, am I going against what God has said or am I going with what God has said? The second thing you want to ask yourself, is this sinful? Is this sinful? Is it written in God's word not to do this? Well, then it's very plain. Don't do that. Decision made. Right? Right? Heyo, homeschool high five. We're all stoked. Yes, it's made, <laughs> sorry, that's a joke because you're by yourself and so you homeschool. Okay, the second thing you need to ask yourself, is this stupid? Is this stupid? And you're thinking, you can't say stupid in church. It says it in the Bible. Look what he says in, um, in Proverbs chapter 16, 12. There we go, it's 12. Look at this. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. It's biblical. (laughs) So you need to ask yourself, is this sinful? And number two, is this stupid? Is this a stupid decision? And you think, well, it's an open door. But you know who else opens the, the door? The devil. It's called temptation, right? He's like, here, it's easy here's an open door to do something sinful, selfish, and stupid. All the S's so we can all remember. Is it selfish? Is it stupid? Is it sinful? Listen, there are things that are going to come up and opportunities are going to come up and you have to make a decision and you have to ask yourself, is this against God's word or am I going with God's word? Is this something stupid for me to do? Say a job opportunity opens up, it's going to be 92 hours a week, but you get to See your office 92 hours a week. You're not going to see your wife or your kids, and you're thinking, it's a great opportunity. That's stupid, because it neglects the other responsibilities that you have, the greater responsibilities that you have. That's just one example, because that's all I can think of. We need to be smart, be wise. Just because there's an opportunity doesn't mean it's the right opportunity or a good opportunity. There are things laid out in God's word with a simple moral command that we do not need to wrestle with these decisions. Have you ever met someone who's wrestling with a decision like, should I kill my boss? And you're like, eh, I don't know. Let's see. No. Like That's a, a general, that's like a moral thing. Like, should I steal from my workplace? Eh, I don't know. No. Like, that's a clear moral issue. Should I live with my boyfriend? Here, let's, let's see. You know, it doesn't really say, no, you shouldn't, because it says in the word, no, do not cohabitate with one another. But there are also things that are stupid. The question we need to ask ourselves when we come to a decision is Am I going toward God? Am I being strategic towards God's mission to make disciples in this world? The questions that carry the most weight in our lives are addressed in Scripture. They are addressed. Those major, big things are addressed in Scripture that we'll come in contact with. The Bible, like, when, for instance, who we marry. The Bible doesn't give us the name of the person that you're going to marry. Have you ever played Bible roulette? Anyone ever do that? You're like, guys, I to hear from you, and so you're like, thou shalt not kill. Thank you, God. You know, <laughs> or you're like, I, I received that word, or you're like, Lord, who am I going to marry? And you're like, Mephibosheth. How am I going to find that guy? And you're like, what's, you know, like you're playing this weird game. Listen, God doesn't name the person who you're going to marry, but he certainly lays out in his word the type of person who you should marry. And if that's your desire, then the type of person that the Bible says this is who you are to marry, then you need to become that kind of person as you read God's word. Do they love Jesus? Do you share the common goal and mission in loving Jesus? It's one of the first questions I I ask people when we have premarital counseling is this. Have you guys talked about divorce? And they look at each other and go, yeah. Have you? What's your view on it? Have you talked about this issue? Do you both want to have children? And the guy's like, no. And she's like, yes. And I'm like, hey, you guys need to talk. These are big things. Like, you need to understand what you're going into and who you're marrying because these are vitally important issues. What's your view on debt? What's your view on money? How do we, where are we? Do you have separate bank accounts? Have you talked about these things? Does this person want to be involved in a fellowship and in community? Or are they like, yeah, we'll go to church online 90% of the time? I'll be the pastor. I don't think so. Like that's a recipe for disaster. So the Bible doesn't say who you're going to marry, but it definitely lays out who the person should be like. What we're looking for in someone that we are going to spend the rest of our life with. So if you're going to make a decision, number one, listen to the word of God. Is it sinful? Is it stupid? Is it selfish? Then you probably can say, that if it's none of those things, that yes, you are walking in the will of God for your life. Yeah? No, you're not that stoked. That's a great thing. Has anyone ever felt like, I'm making this decision, like, I still don't even know. Is it sinful? No. Is it, is it selfish? Not really. No. <laughs> not really. No. <laughs> is it stupid? No. Guess what? You're walking in God's will. You're walking in God's will. Praise God. Stoked. The second thing is is when we're making decisions is we want to focus on daily character. Focus on daily character. How many of you are answer people? Anyone? You're like, just tell me the answer. Has that ever happened to you where someone's like, let me show you how to do this? You're like, no, 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 just do it. I don't want the answer. I don't want to know how to do it. I just want you to give me the answer and just do it, right? And those, those, that's the point of you having, uh, being a dad, I always try and show my, my son how to do something with the hopes that someday he can do it himself, right? This is how you tie your shoe, because I'm sick of bending over and tying your shoes for you. And someday we have to move past Velcro, son. Um, you know, like, <laughs> these, these are things, that like, hopefully, I'm going to show you, we're going to do the whole, and there's a rhyme to it, we can figure this out. You know, there's there's a point of showing someone how to do something in order that they would be able to do it themselves. If we're just answer people, and we want God to give us the answer, God, just show me what the answer is. Don't show me how to do it. Or we're looking for character. God is building us and growing us by our daily choices. God doesn't just want us to give us the answer. He wants us to come and follow him, and then learn what it is to live like Jesus. It's not just giving you the answer. It's saying, watch and learn he's coming alongside and coming under being tutored being learned or being being learned being taught by God what it is to live a life like Jesus and so God is not more he's more concerned with your daily character and he's creating and sanctifying you into his image than just saying this is what you need to do here's the answer boom because often we don't even know how to get to that place unless we know the process. It's being able to arrive, wisdom is being able to arrive to the conclusion because you have learned from the master. Proverbs 21, verses 4 and 5 say this A haughty look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. What these verses are talking about is something that is the plans of the diligent. Notice those words, the plans of the diligent. There's this desire to learn as you walk with the Lord. What does it have to do with walking with God? Like why is this important on daily character and focusing on daily character with God? It has everything to do with your walk with God. Because We are only concerned, if we're only concerned with the answer, we do not become more righteous, we become more ridiculous. If you are more concerned with the answer than the process of character and becoming more like Jesus daily by giving, by being given choices and options and choosing the spirit and walking in the spirit and becoming more like Jesus. If you're more concerned with the answer than you are the process, you become more ridiculous than righteous. We become spoiled. We don't know how to work for anything. We don't know how to process anything. We don't know how to fail at anything. And listen, in this Christian life, we will fail. It is a guarantee. That's why Christ died on the cross. And your failure is a part of your life. It is going to happen. But if you never fail and you're always concerned about making a mistake or, or you're not doing the right thing, if that's your main concern all the time and you never make a decision, then you never do anything. And you never learn anything. You never become anything. Nothing ever changes because character is something that is built. Patience happens over time because you have to learn patience. This doesn't just happen. Like I don't wake up tomorrow and my son's like, wow, dad, there's something different about you. Did you lose weight? And I'm like, oh, no, son. I'm just extremely patient. <laughs> I woke up this morning and bada bing, bada boom, here I am, patient. It doesn't work like that. You know how God gives you patience? He gives you four children. <laughs> and you're forced to learn it. We are often, listen, this is the other thing. We are often quick to pray for that job or that pay raise. Like, hey, man, can you pray for me? I said, this big decision to make, and I have these things. But how often do we say, hey, man, can you pray for me that the fruits of the Spirit would come from my life? I need more love, I need more joy, I need more peace, I need more patience. Would you pray that for me? So quick do we want the. Answer. We're not willing to go through the process to learn it. So I keep looking to the future, hoping for the answer so I can make the right decisions. All the while, God's heart for me is to do something in me now. God wants to do something in you now. If you've ever been so concerned about getting to somewhere or or, um, if you've ever driven somewhere at night because you want to make good times, that ever happened to you? Like, all right, we're leaving in dusk or whatever. And you're like, we're gonna drive all through the night and all you see is darkness. And then you wake up the next day, and you're driving through, and you're like, this is beautiful. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I drove through this in the dark. But all you, the only thing you're concerned about is making it to a destination, and you missed everything along the way. That's all part of a road trip is to, like, see, the, you know, anyway. But it's the same thing in our walk with God. The third thing in making wise decisions is this. Seek wise counsel. Emphasis on the wise counsel. Wise. Big decisions in our life are often made in isolation. Anyone ever? <laughs> like, I went up on a mountain and I opened my Bible. Here's what I'm doing. I'm going to become a doctor tomorrow. Doogie Hauser, are you ready? <laughs> like, And we're making these big life choices by ourselves. We started this study when we were talking about wisdom as something that takes place. Wisdom is a community project. It is something that takes place because we're together. Because we're working together. Because we're seeking the Lord together. We need to seek wise counsel. Because it's a community project. We usually think of isolation as a sign of strength. Like, I don't need anybody. I can do this by myself. But it's actually a sign of pride. I don't need anyone. I can do this on my own. I don't need anyone to weigh in on this decision. I can make my own, anyone? <laughs> I can make my own decisions. This has been my mantra for the last two years. Like, I am a grown-up. And I will make my own decisions. Don't tell me what to do. This is every, every few weeks, I always tell my wife, like, don't tell me what to do. And she'll ask me, like, take out the trash, please. And I'm like, don't tell me what to do. And then I go and take out the trash. But um, it's just been something. At least I could say the words so I feel like I'm in control. But I'm not. But anyway, we often think that that's a sign of strength. Like, I'm just making these decisions. Listen, that's not wise. That's not wise. You go off on some trip and you're like, that's it. I'm moving. I'm moving to Tuscaloosa. You're like, what? why would you do? Is there a job opportunity there for you? Nope. Do you have any place to live? No. Why are you going there? Because I read in, in Zephaniah about the tusks of the Nephilim, and I feel like Tuscaloosa is where I'm going. You're like, that's a dumb, that's a stupid, that's stupid. All right? We need to talk. Wise counsel is important. That's why Proverbs 12.15, it says, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. Right? Everyone can see it. You're like, that is a dumb decision. (laughs) Because in their eyes, they're thinking, this is the best thing for me. Because they've not sought counsel from anyone else. A wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 12.15. Why? Why would Solomon suggest this? Why would he say this as the wisest man who ever lived? Have you ever been driving with someone who suddenly shouts out, stop? look out. Has that ever happened to you? Ever since the invention of the the backup camera, where you don't even look behind you anymore, you just look at the little screen, and you're like, I'm clear. And finally someone says, stop! And you hear something hit, and you're like, oh, I didn't see that. My wife constantly, she's like, look out. And I'm like, oh, what? And she's like, you didn't see that? No. Why? It was in my blind spot. It's in my blind spot. I just couldn't see it. We all have blind spots in our character. We have areas in our character that we cannot see clearly. And so God has given us people around us, godly, wise people, and we are to seek counsel because they can see spots in our character that we cannot see, and they're able to speak into that. Proverbs eleven fourteen 14 says, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. The key word in all of this is wise counsel. We can always find those people who will agree or affirm our bad decisions. Anyone? You have friends that are like, yeah, do it. Jump off that thing. And you're like, that's right, you're my best friend. Um, like, you can always find people to come around you and like just tell you to do dumb stuff. It's like what Zach was talking about last week. When, when we have friendships, we have iron sharpening iron. Do you know what that is? That's friction. It's friction that's happening. You need wise counsel in your life, people that will say, no, that's dumb. That is a dumb decision. And let me tell you why. I know you. I know you. I know you really well. And I know your circumstances. And I know this about you. And here's what I want to tell you. Don't do that. We all need people in our life to give us wise counsel because wisdom is a community project. We're going to do this in two parts. This is getting kind of, this is getting too long. I knew it was going to be long because I had 11 pages of notes. And usually I have like four. So I knew it was going to be long. (laughs) It was going to be too long. And I don't want you guys to die. I really want you guys to be, you know, stoked on life. And um, it's really warm in here. All right, let's pray. There's so much more. All right. Lord, we thank you for your word. And um, Lord, we we do. We need wise counsel. Lord, we need wisdom. We come in. (laughs) There are so many times throughout the day where I just, I feel like I throw up my hands and I just say, I don't know. Lord, I don't know. Lord, we're lost without you. And so, Lord, we're so thankful that you're not a mean and cruel God who hides his will from us. That you're a God who who desires to um, walk life with us, who, who is so caring and loving that, Lord, you tell us in your word that you lead us. You lead us. And, Lord, that you, you say, follow me. And as we follow you, Lord, you will give us the desires of our heart. You'll bless us. Lord, as our heart is mirrored with yours, as, as our heart is joined with yours, as we read your word and we follow you and we pray and we seek your face, Lord, um, we thank you that you're a good God who who um, has given us freedom to do the things that we love and the things that we we care about. And, and God, you're such a, a good God like that. And so we pray as we worship you, as we sing to you, um, God, you fill our hearts with just praise and adoration and, and uh, just thinking upon your goodness. And, and Lord, ultimately, your will for us is that we would know you. If anyone tonight were wondering, what God, what do you want to do in my life? Lord, you've already, you, you did it. You conquered sin, you conquered death, that we might know you, this is the will of God, that we would know and love the Lord our God. And so Lord, we just wanna, as we sing to you, as we praise you, we wanna rejoice in the fact that we are walking in your will right now as we sing your praises, as we worship you, It's because that's what you've told us to do. And so Lord, we love you, we thank you, we pray that peace would come upon us, Lord. that joy would overflow us by your Spirit. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.